0: That's what I want. Thank you. We're, we're done with the uh, four-part series that we had before Christmas. Um, next week, we're going to start Revelation. And so I would like your prayers uh, because here's the deal. Um, I am, uh, I can't think of the right word to say. I'm looking forward to nervous, scared, intimidated by, but also glorifying God in Revelation. How's that? all of that um so i'm I'm looking forward to walking through that with you uh and i hope that you're looking forward to to walking through that with me just so you know there are times and portions uh when as we go through revelations where we'll probably have to take a time out so i can do some more in-depth study and so we'll have some other topical message kind of sprinkled in there to buy me some time uh, so we can get back to revelation and those kind of things also uh, part of the thing is is um You know, uh, there's been really good preachers and teachers out there that have done a really good job about it, and so um, please don't listen to them while uh, while I'm preaching, because I hate to be compared to all these great men of the faith who have came before me. uh, Amongst two sandals, I am not fit to untie. Right, and so, um, but uh, today's message, before we get to Revelation, is looking back, looking forward. This is a year of God's faithfulness. Like I said, 2023 was a very full year. Now. Um, I don't know anything about uh, the company that made this. Uh, It's it's Vox, okay? Vox is some kind of television company of some sort, and they put together a short segment of all the stuff that happened in 2023 that I want you to see to just remind you because there were some of the things that I had forgotten about too. Some of it they spend more time on than maybe they should for other things in my opinion, Uh, but it's just a short video, five, six minutes long to refresh us Uh, Before we move into what God has to say. Um, So let's watch that. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Barbie. The president has just signed a bill that will end the national emergency declared during the pandemic. Here we come. This summer could be described as the summer of strikes. It's the first official day of the sag after strike. I think AI is one of the most important things to be talking about. You should probably run. Twitter is now X. Some are even calling it the Twitter killer. Nope, scratch that, reverse it. Mr. Chute, does TikTok access the home Wi-Fi network? We start in the Middle East. Hamas has launched the biggest attack on Israel in years. The Israeli military saying over a thousand people were killed. We hear the bullets whistling when they passed by. (coughs) Hamas say they're holding between 200 and 250 hostages. We are putting a complete siege on Gaza. We're fighting animals and are acting accordingly. No one is safe. Nowhere in Gaza is safe. It is now 90 seconds to midnight. 2023 will go down as the hottest year on record. The dense haze spreading from New England to Washington DC. Witness the blood moons rise. The fires are one of the worst natural disasters in Hawaii's history. The death toll stands at 115 people. This was my home. Three protesters are under arrest for interrupting the action. We have to act. Southern California is under its first ever tropical storm watch. A once in a century deadly deluge slamming Hong Kong. The COP28 team did not deny using climate meetings to discuss fossil fuel deals. This is really like a fox guarding the head house moment. Frankly, most companies who have set a net zero target don't know how they're going to get there. Layoffs are sweeping corporate America. I got laid off two days ago. My government will continue to take action to bring down inflation, to ease the cost of living. Bombastic side eye. A group of orcas appear to be attacking and even sinking some boats, racing against time to find that missing submersible. $250,000. Bankman-Fried now faces more than a hundred years in prison. The First Republic is now the third major bank to fail since March. Rupert Murdoch is to step back, and we'll hand over the reins to his son. I'm the oldest boy. The New York Republican is now the sixth lawmaker to ever be expelled from the House. House has been paralyzed without a speaker for nearly three weeks. This is embarrassing. There have been concerns for months about Senator Feinstein's health. Look at the candles on that cake. This is the oldest man alive. String of. Uh says, never surrender. Oh, surrender. Okay, that is a picture of him surrendering to Georgia authorities, though, right? The U.S. linked the balloon to a vast Chinese military surveillance program. Oh, they hit it! Do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. And now, NASA's first mission to deliver the largest sample collected from an asteroid to Earth. Flames and... Plumes of smoke lit up the sky in East Ohio after a train derailed the deadliest earthquake that morocco has suffered in more than 100 years the number of people killed in earthquakes in turkey and syria has risen to nearly 50,000. Two dams and four bridges collapsed (laughs) india's deadliest train crash in decades it has been one year since russia began its full-scale invasion of ukraine if russia stops fighting and leaves ukraine the war ends if ukraine stops fighting ukraine ends Fighting intensifies between Sudan's armed forces and the rebel rapid support forces. Over 1,500 pro Bolsonaro supporters had been arrested after they stormed government buildings in Brasilia. The situation in Manipur has been tense. The photos confirm news that no parent wants to hear. A fishing boat sinking with hundreds on board, hundreds of migrants. Now, more than 1.7 million Afghans have been told to leave Pakistan. Palestinians are dying in the tens of thousands, but we'll continue to say it is us who are not acknowledging humanity. Tens of thousands showing their support for the Palestinian people. sparking an increase in islamophobia and anti-semitism yet another mass shooting in this country ten people are dead in mississippi in louisville kentucky at an elementary school in nashville Memphis police have just released the footage from the death of Tyree Nichols. Those five officers were arrested and charged with second-degree murder. Former U.S. Marine captured on video putting Jordan Neely in a chokehold. Affirmative action is gone. Catholic priests can now bless same-sex couples. Six justices ruled that certain businesses can refuse to serve gay people. New laws in Uganda mean that anyone having gay sex can be jailed for life. I got some Bud Lights for us. (laughs) Huh? Yeah? Are we supposed to vote today? What? Mexico's Supreme Court has declared loudly and clearly that access to abortion care is a human right. Ohio now marks the seventh state since Roe v. Wade was overturned, where abortion rights supporters prevailed. Come on in the box, and front, go! Spain wins the World Cup! I don't pray for results, I just ask that I get the strength to give it my own. Israel and Hamas agreeing on a deal that will free a number of hostages. I still got hope because I know we are still here and we will never quit. India is on the moon. We choose to go back to the moon and then on to Mars. And we're gonna do it together. We are being asked to love the extraordinary species that is humankind. And keep it alive. That's all this is. Now, I don't know about you, I'm sad to say this, but how many of you guys forgot about the train crash in Ohio? Or how many of you didn't even know India went to the moon until you saw this just now? Like, that seems like a big deal. Um, Or how many of you guys forgot about that crazy, that submarine, right? Like, that was super weird. You remember that? People went down there, and then they were lost for several days. Um, we get bombarded with so much news all the time from everywhere. I don't feel that bad that I forgot about some of these things. Uh, I, at the time, I, you know, I was praying for them, as I'm, as I'm sure that you were too. But, like, there's so much going on all over the globe all the time that it's hard to remember all these things or to, to think about them. Not only that, but we don't hear about all this stuff in all the other countries. Uh, there are so many things happening in other countries that are just totally left out of our Uh, media. Um, But I think it's safe to say that 2023 was a very full year, not only for Globe and everything we saw there, but for some of us in this room, even more so than others. But here's the point of what I want to talk about today. I think it's important that we look back so that we can also look forward. So that's what I want to do today, not only here through Vox's uh, thing that they put together, but more importantly than that, I wanna go all the way back to the Old Testament as our text for today as we look back so that it can help us look forward for 2024, okay? But before we get there, let's let's pray. Uh, Father in heaven, we praise you for your sovereignty over all things. We cannot pretend to comprehend why it is that you allow all that you do. This year we have seen many things unfold around the globe and we have experienced loss and hardships even here amongst our people in this room. Lord, we confess that at times we wonder where you are in all that is happening. We wonder if you see, if you hear, if you care, we might even ask. But we know that you do. We thank you, Father, for being patient and long-suffering with us. Thank you for giving us your spirit to walk with us and even dwell in us that we might be encouraged and strengthened by you. Dear Jesus, as we place a cap on the end of of this year and step into the next we pray that you would have your way with us let your will be done in our lives give us insight and wisdom to know and discern your will for each of us in turn give us the strength to act according to your word and your leading fill us with your spirit and be ever present in our hearts and in our minds help us we pray to look backward to your faithfulness so that we can press forward in hope and trust. It's in your name and for your glory that we do pray. Amen. So if uh, you're a note taker, you can follow along on the paper that you got. If you would like to turn your uh, Bible, uh, your copy of God's Word, to the text that we're going to have for the main text, it's going to be Deuteronomy chapter 20. So you can find your way there in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 20. And when I was doing my own personal devotions in the morning, I was reading through... And this stuck out to me, and I thought, man, I cannot think of a better text to end the year with than this. And so this is where this text comes from, just my own uh, personal time in the Lord. The first thing that I want to talk to you about that Deuteronomy talks about is there is a war before us, and we need to recognize our enemy, okay? Uh, So as you're turning there, or if you want to, you can read along on the screen with me. Uh, This is, oops, I I went too quick for you. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1 says, When you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than your own. We need to understand Israel's army. So in context of what this is writing to, right, what we're talking about here is the people of Israel. And so we have to start there. Context is king. So who are they talking about? Who is uh, 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 the enemy of Israel right now? Well, Egypt was their enemy, and we're going to understand why I bring that up here in just a minute but it's the Hittites, the Amorites, the, the, the Parasites, all, all the different ites right? the, 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 that are out there. Uh, they're going to go and they're going to take this land and they're going to understand here in just a little bit, if they don't already, uh, that they are about to be at war. There's about to be hardship that's going to go with them. And so he tells them, when you go out to war against your enemies and you see their horses your and your chariots and an army larger than your own, we need to understand our enemy. Our enemy isn't in chariots and horses today. In fact, It might be for us that we wouldn't be very scared if we saw horses and chariots today because, I mean, we've got, you know, vehicles and AR-15s and and tanks and bombs and airplanes. I mean, what is horses and chariots? But at the time, that was an absolute uh, military might. So what are our enemies? Well, we do have enemies like China or Russia or maybe other people around in the globe or terrorist cells and things like that. But I think it's even more important for us to think about our spiritual enemies. Uh, and, of course, you probably knew that that's where I was going because we're here in church, right? We're not at a political rally. But I want to tell you that there is a real force out there seeking to crush, to kill, and to destroy. Your enemy is Satan and his demons. Your enemies are other people who do not believe in Christ, who are not saved, who are living their lives for their own self, and you will suffer the fallout of sin as a whole. First uh, Peter 5.8 says as we read that, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, whose adversary adversary is this? Yours, mine, it's our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Maybe I'm a fool, but I would be more scared of a roaring lion in my backyard than I would be a horse in a chariot with a rider. Just me, maybe. But we need to understand the power of our enemy. We understand need to understand the tactics of our enemy. Here's the deal. Your enemy knows you as well as you know yourself and at times better. Your enemy is going to choose the times that you are down and he will kick you. Your enemy is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now this is a really old analogy that you've seen on every single Animal Planet episode probably ever. I love that British guy who does the voiceover. I just don't believe his theology because he thinks thousands of millions of years it took to evolve the zebra into the striped pony that it is. And I say, no, it took one day. I've got proof right here. But here's what you've seen. You've got this whole herd of animals. And those lions or those hyenas or whatever those predators are in, they go in there and they segregate the one off of the flock, right? They segregate the one off the flock, whether it's an old one or whether it's a young one or whatever that they have to do. They segregate it off to the flock and they chase it down and then that's when they kill it. Let that be a lesson to us. Our adversary is like a roaring lion seeking to someone to devour and then Ephesians 6.12 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers and authorities against cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We need to understand that our enemy is not just a political party is not just a socioeconomic class. It's not just a race of people. It shouldn't be any of those things. Our enemy is the satanic forces that we can't even necessarily perceive all the time. And we need to be on our guard at all times. We need to recognize the power and the strength that they have and not and not think of them as as uh as weak and defeated. However, scripture does tell us that they are defeated, don't doesn't it? In Christ Jesus, we have the victory over these things. And it says, in the heavenly places over which Jesus is currently and over which he reigns, which leads us to the next part in Deuteronomy that it says is not only recognize your enemies, but rely on his strength. Whose strength am I talking about here? God's strength. Jesus' strength. The Holy Spirit's strength. All parts of the Trinity of the Godhead. You have the Father who is over all things and ruling all things, even the The sons of the the earth, remember in Job, even they have to come and report to the Father. The Son has the keys of hell and Hades, so they have no dominion, and the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And so what we need to do is what they said in Deuteronomy chapter 20, uh, verse 1, the next part of that where it says, You shall not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you. So he just said, recognize your enemy, understand them, understand their tactics, understand their power, understand their, their... their conduct in the area where they're at. But also then, secondarily, don't focus on that. Focus on who you have on your team. What he wants for you to is to be like King David. Who is this Philistine who's talking smack about our God? And why aren't you going out there? All I need is a couple rocks and the sling that I've got. And by the way, I've taken down lions and bears in the past. This idiot's going to be no problem for me, is what David said. This is John's version of Scripture. Or how about Daniel in the lion's head? You see, God is about the business of slaying lions. Uh Uh-oh. I knew she wasn't feeling good this morning. So we need to rely on his strength. That's exactly what they did at the battle of Jericho. What brought down those walls? Was it their craftiness was it their military might no 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 if you remember the story they marched that literally what did they do they walked around the wall several times blew their horns the walls fell down i don't know why we don't fight more wars with horns right i mean if if that's what does it then then what are we doing with all of our bombs and our airplanes and our tanks and our guns and stuff shouldn't we just invest in some some brass and and some taps players no this was god Ephesians 6, 10-11 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is the way that we are to wage war. Romans 8, 37. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And so what is being said here in Deuteronomy chapter 20 is that we need to recognize who our enemy is and in the midst of that rely on his strength and and he gives us a technique on how to do that. So that's what I want to show you before we move on to the second half of today's message. What is the technique that he does for them that we should practice with one another? He tells them to repeat your story. So you remember Pharaoh and the Red Sea, right? We know that. We teach that in Sunday school. Uh, What was the movie? There was a movie that was super famous for that. We used to watch it like once a year, it seems like, at our house or something. Moses, and he split the Red Sea. Who was the actor in that? It's old school. Charleston Hudson. Yeah, yeah. All those guys. That was a good film. If you've never seen it, by the way, if you're of the age that you've always had internet, you probably haven't seen it. So you ought to, I don't know, YouTube that or something. Google that. But what he tells us is this is the strategy to help one another along the way. He says to repeat your story. And here's what he says. For the Lord your God is with you who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Seems very simple, right? But what he's telling them is remember where you've been. Remember who he is. Remember what he's done. Because I don't know about you, but for me, there's times every single year, I think we talked about this, I battle with depression from time to time, uh, especially during the winter time, it's always dark out, it's always cloudy, I can't go to the beach with my family like we like to do, we, we, you know, I don't really want to be outside, so it's just kind of blah, right? And also, there's times in my life where um, I just feel down for other reasons, and I tend to think to myself, very Eeyore-like. You guys familiar with Eeyore thinking, right? Again, if you're of the generation that's always had internet, maybe you weren't blessed with that. But the Eeyore-like thinking, oh, woe is me, right? Nobody likes me. Nobody wants to be my friend. I bet you you're here to visit me just to rub my face in it. You know, like that's Eeyore-like thinking. When I am in the midst of Eeyore-like thinking, do you know what my wife does for me? She reminds me of God's goodness and faithfulness over our lives. She repeats the stories to me. She says, yeah, okay, you might feel like this right now, but I want you to remember what has happened then. I want you to remember who he was then. I want you to look back and see what he's brought you through then. And so Moses does the same thing. He says, when you are out there, when you see your enemies, when you're shaking in your boots and you see all that before you, I want you to repeat your story. And I wanna ask you, what's your story? Because we all love like the real good stories, right? Like Saving Private Ryan, uh, Hacksaw Ridge, Gladiator, Rocky, all the really good, the movies that they're not making anymore because they can't for some reason. All these good movies. What's your story, though? Everybody likes a good story. I distinctly remember being a young man, I'd ask my dad, for, tell me a story, dad, when you were a cop. Tell me one of your cop stories, dad. They were great. I'm not going to tell you one right now. You can, you can ask him if he wants to. What I want to know is, what's your story? What has God brought you from? A little part of my story is, if if I would not have been saved when I was saved, I would be a raging alcoholic today. Or, 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 or maybe even dead. He's the same God. Joshua 1.5 says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. But you know what I bet? Sometimes in between those battles, Joshua had to remember about the time that they crossed over that Red Sea. About Well, he wasn't there for that, I guess. He had to remember the time that they made the Jordan stand still as they crossed over into the promised land. He had to ask the people before him about, tell us about all the times you wandered in the wilderness and your clothes never wore out and you got manna all the time. And then when you complained, he still brought quail to you because he's a gracious God. Matthew 28, 20 says, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, here it is, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He didn't say till Monday morning. He didn't say till Friday night. He said, I'm with you sometimes, right? On um, your best days. That's what he said, right? That's not in your copy? And praise the Lord that you have the right copy. He says, no, I'm going to with you always to the end of the age. There's no place that you're ever going to be that I'm not going to be there with you. And so, John, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what the circumstances look like. I need to repeat that story. Jesus said, and so therefore it has to be the case because he's not a God who lies. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Basically, what he's saying is, you keep throwing things at me, and I'm going to keep on keeping on. So what's your testimony? When's the last time you shared your testimony with somebody else in this room? Beloved, I want you to know something about uh, this is a place where you ought to be able to share that, not only where you ought to be able to, but where you ought to, to want to, and where you ought to want to hear one another's testimonies. This is the body of Christ, saved and redeemed, brought out of hellfire into eternal glory. And every single one of us has a, diff- a different way that we've got here. And, 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 and let me just encourage you, if you're anything like my wife is, her testimony and my testimony are, are very different. And, and so, so maybe you're in one of these camps, right? My testimony was, Sex, drugs, rock and roll, crazy lifestyle, 60 miles an hour all the time. Hers was like, I don't even know anything. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, she's been preserved graciously by God. And some of us are tempted to think, oh, that testimony's lame. Oh, how I wish I had that testimony. And if you're here today and you have any kind of testimony like me, how you wish you had that testimony. And how you pray that your children and your grandchildren will have that testimony but what's your testimony what's your story are you repeating your story are you sharing your story are you encouraging one another with your story because you might be sharing that story with somebody in the middle of somebody who's looking at the walls of jericho and thinking to themselves right then how in the world am i going to make this city come down and all they needed was for somebody else to say to them let me tell you about a time god made my jericho's walls fall That brings me to the second main point. Are you ready for battle? Now, in the next text, he's going to tell us some people who are not ready for battle. And so as he shares with us people who are not ready for battle, I want to look at what I think that means for us to be ready for battle. Okay? So we're going to see what it doesn't look like so that we can pursue what it does look like. Does that make sense? So the first thing that he tells us is, oh, yep. Sorry, I'm getting happy with my clicker. Those whose hearts are undivided. So what he tells us is those whose hearts are divided are the ones who are not ready. So for us, and if you're a note taker, this is why I want you to write down, those whose hearts are undivided. You are battle ready if your heart is undivided. Now let's go to the text, Deuteronomy 25 and 27. 25 says this. Then the officers shall speak to the people saying, is there any man... Who has built a new house and has not dedicated it? Let him go back to his house lest he die in the battle and another man dedicate it. Verse seven. Is there any man who has betrothed a wife and has not taken her? Let him go back to his house lest he die in the battle and another man take her. You see, it is God's mercy upon these people, allowing them He wants you to enjoy good things. He does. God does not sit up there and have any kind of sour feelings about you enjoying the good things that he's given you. He wants you to enjoy them. That's why he gave them to you. How ridiculous is that? If that's your thought process this morning, just think of the illogical nature of that. If I bought my kid a present for Christmas and then I just saw them having a blast with it, do you really think I'd think to myself, what a a jerk? No. I would be thankful that they're having so much fun with that which I've given them. He wants that too. But what he's saying here in the text, I think, is you can't have your mind and your heart somewhere else and then think that you're full in with the Lord. You can't have your heart divided. You have to choose. You're either on the team or you're against the team. So Jesus said he didn't come to unify things. He came to divide households. How are you able to fight when your mind is elsewhere? So I've mentioned this before. Um, my family likes to watch Full House. We have them on we have them on DVD. My wife has been a fan of Full House for years, and so we've got these DV, DVD collections of Full House. And there's this one episode where Danny Tanner, right? He's wake up San Francisco guy, and he's going to a fight, and he's he's interviewing the guy who's about to go into the ring, and he asks him, you know, so so how how, how is it? Uh, how have you been doing since your wife left? And he's like, what? And then the trainer comes in, and he's like. He doesn't know about that. We've been in training so long, he didn't even know that his wife left him. And then the guy's like, how am I supposed to fight? How am I supposed to get out there and box knowing that my heart, my soul just moved out? And so, of course, he loses the fight and Danny Tanner is the one to blame, right, afterwards. And so it it progresses in that way. But that's what Moses is saying too. You are battle ready if your heart is undivided. Are you sold out for Jesus? I hope that you are. Luke 9. Sixty one through sixty two says, Yet another will say, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me uh, say farewell to those who are at home. Jesus said to them, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Matthew ten thirty seven. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Is this Jesus telling you that you shouldn't love mommy, daddy, or son and daughter? No, absolutely not. What he's saying is you need to have things in perspective. We need to be undivided in our allegiance to the Lord. And friend, especially the longer and the more that we move into this season of darker and darker time in America, where it is now going to be the case that people are going to be under persecution because of their religious beliefs, primarily Christians? Are you undivided? How is your dedication to Christ? The kingdom will not be filled with fence sitters. So I want to ask you, what is it in your life that strives to take the the seat on the throne of your heart. Is it Jesus? Or is it even one of his good things that he's given you? Because it ought to be Jesus. What's the next thing he says then? Not only those whose hearts are undivided, but those who have borne some fruit. Look at Deuteronomy 26. Is there any man who has planted a vineyard that has not enjoyed its fruit? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man enjoy his fruit. So this is in both camps. Not only his heart's divided because he wants to enjoy his his land, he wants to enjoy those things, but secondarily, and this is where I'm getting from this as a spiritual spin on this, is he hasn't borne any fruit yet. There's nothing to show for his labor yet. And so I want you to hear me just for a minute here. I'm not saying that you're not spiritually ready if you're not a soul-winning evangelist or a street preacher or, you know, uh, the next Billy Graham of Allegan, uh County. I, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it's very, very foolish to think that you can not be faithful with the small things and then that you're going to have victory and be faithful in the big things. In fact, I'm pretty sure Jesus said something the direct opposite of that. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers from a long time ago, has has written this book um, called "Lectures to My Students." Now I'm going to botch this illustration. You can look this up, but in, in essence, what he was saying was there was this young man who came in and was interviewing to become a part of the college, the seminary that Charles was over. It was a small college at the time, and so he had the personal uh, ability to to interview everybody who was there. And he was talking to this young man. He says, "Yep." I grew up as a tradesman. My father was in you know, this trade, and so I, t- I tried that, but that wasn't for me. So then I tried the next trade, and I tried that for a while, and that wasn't for me. And then I thought, well, maybe I should get some education. And so I went to school to be a lawyer, and then I realized that that wasn't for me. And so what I would like to do is to join the seminary. And Charles said, if you think that, if you failed to everything else you've done, what makes you think that God wants you here? And what Charles meant by that, and what I mean by that, is simply this. We need, you've heard the saying, the devil's in the details. Brother or sister, to be battle ready. Let me just put it to you this way. Do you really think that when your supervisor at work, or your teacher at school, or the family member that you look up to and respect, says to you, hey, it's time to choose. You either do this Jesus thing or you do what I'm asking you to do. Do you really think that if you're dabbling with the small stuff, little lies here and there, not guarding your eyes over here, uh, you you know, twisting things and and skating the line, do you really think that when the rubber meets the road, you're going to be victorious there? By God's grace, maybe, but I can tell you this, it ain't by the work you've been putting in to help get you there. So those who are battle ready are those who have borne some fruit. Proverbs 24, 30 through 31 says, I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense, and behold, it was overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. (coughs) John 15, 1 through 5. He says, I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Listen, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. You see, to be battle-ready, we have to be bearing some kind of fruit. This is where introspection comes in handy, and this is where being a part of a family of believers comes in handy. Because you might need encouragement sometime. We should be seeking to regularly encourage one another. You know, this is just the way that the world is, and I'm sad this is how it is, but I hope this is not the way it is here in this church. Most of the time, if you do something wrong out there in the world, you're going to hear about it. That's just how it is. Even parenting, I have to remind myself of that. When they do something wrong, I'm real quick to remind them of what they did wrong. But when they when I catch them doing something right, am I equally as quick to encourage them in doing that thing and reminding them of that thing, praising them for that thing? Shouldn't we be doing that with one another too? I look at myself right now today and I think how terrible of a Christian I am, how terrible of a leader I am. And then I need somebody like my father-in-law or my wife or my brother-in-law to say, well, Let me remind you of who you used to be, bro. (laughs) We need that, too. The only way I can see the steps that I'm making is by somebody else sharing that with me. Sometimes. So lastly, and maybe most importantly, so you're battle ready if your hearts are undivided, if you've borne some fruit, and then lastly, you're battle ready if you're willing. I want to read to you this last uh, section of Scripture here in Deuteronomy 20, verse 8. He says, And the officers shall speak further to the people and say, Is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house. Let he make the rest of the hearts of the fellows melt like his own. Now, I don't know much about this gentleman. I I know just enough that uh, I, I liked this quote here. Nelson Mandela said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man is not he who does not feel afraid, but he who conquers that fear. You see, this is good military strategy that Moses is doing. He's saying, listen, if you are so afraid that the moment the arrow starts flying, you're running away anyway, then just leave now. Because all you're gonna be is a liability and all you're gonna do is cause the guy next to you to think to himself, wait a minute, what the heck am I doing here? And then he's gonna turn around and go, and then the guy next to him is gonna think, well, why are these guys leaving? I guess I'm out of here too. And then eventually everybody falls into a retreat. And so what Moses is saying is this, listen, if you're too afraid to get into the fight to begin with, then maybe you ought to really question why we're here. Fear is infectious. But so is Courage. One of my favorite movies is Braveheart. I haven't seen it in a long time. But one of my favorite movies is Braveheart. Because of how that man rallies people to his side. And so I want to ask you, what are you afraid of? What is keeping you from being a sold-out Jesus freak? What is it? Is it that I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job? Is it that I'm afraid that people are going to think I'm weird? Is it that I'm, a, I'm afraid that I'm going to have to actually give up some of the things that I like to do that are maybe kind of on the edge, but I actually, I have conviction that maybe I shouldn't be doing them, but if I really go all in, then I'm going to have to give those things up? Are you afraid that you're going to start that journey and you're going to fall on your face and then everybody's going to think, oh, what a hypocrite? Luke 12, four through seven. He says, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you of whom to fear. Fear him who after he has killed has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and not one of them is forgotten before God? Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Or, Mark 13, 11 through 13. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You know what God wants most is just somebody who's willing. That's the thing about our God. Do you understand? He's going to take care of all the rest. All the rest. What he wants is is for you to be one of them that stands up and says, listen, I'm all in. I'm undivided. I'm going to worry about the small things. I'm going to seek to bear fruit. I'm going to seek to cultivate your spirit within me, or I'm going to open up myself to allow you to work through me to produce that fruit, right? Because it's it's a both and kind of thing with us. That's beyond me. I can't exactly explain that, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And then also, I am willing to go or to do whatever it is you've called me to do. I was telling somebody just this week that's something I struggle with. I I watch these stuff on the news, and I think to myself, "These, these poor Afghanian or African people, these people are starving. And here I am trying to put money away for my retirement. When what I could do is I could clean out my savings, and I could send that over, and I could buy a bunch of rice for all these people. And then I struggle with, okay, but how how far is that really going to go? How many people can I really feed with that? So what should I do, church? Should I get rid of everything that I own and then follow him? Absolutely. But is that what he's calling me to? Because also scripture says, he who doesn't take care of his family is worse than an unbeliever. So now I'm stuck I'm stuck between this terrible place of thinking to myself, I've got to provide an inheritance and something for my wife should something happen to me. And then also I've got these people who are right in front of me who I know are starving to death, and I could save a couple of them for a couple days if I gave up everything that I had and sent some rice over there. So I don't know what he's calling me to do, but I can tell you this, when he makes it clear to me, I, I hope that I am willing. And I hope that you are too. Revelation 21.8, two scriptures in closing. Revelation one eight. but as for the cowardly, now the rest of these are gonna be like, yeah, I saw that coming. I think we forget about that first one. As for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and the liar, liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Psalm 23, 4. You know this one, I'm sure. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I want to ask you this morning as we move into 2024, are you battle ready? Because there's a battle coming. And I don't know if it's going to cost you your job. And I pray that it doesn't cost you your life. But I want to ask you to commit beforehand. To recognize your enemy. To rely on his strength. To understand what is happening. To remind others and yourself of your story. Of the faithfulness that he's been. Because the times that, God forbid, the times that we're alone in that jail cell. They won't let us have our Bible. They're denying us food and water to try to break us and turn on other people that we know. That's the time that I pray that you are battle ready. So, I want to end with this. Therefore, we, like Israel before, must look back to continue to looking forward. Back to the cross of Christ is what we need to look back to. And forward unto glory. And so, I want to close to you in the way that uh, Moses closes with them. So this is Deuteronomy 20, 2 through 4. It's not up on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. This is what it says. When you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people. Are you ready? So I'm going to do my job right now. Are you ready? Hero, church. Today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart be faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. The Lord your God is he who gives goes with you to fight. He's going to be against your enemies, and he will give you victory. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, we do confess that we so often are not battle ready, and we are taken unaware by the enemy who is a roaring lion and he tears us to pieces. God, we pray that you would steal us for the war that we are about to face. Every day as we go out upon the battlefield, we ask that you would help us to draw close to you our good shepherd, that your rod and your staff would comfort us, that we would fear no evil even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that you would be us to us a strong fortress, that you would be a mighty right hand around us. God, we pray that you would help us to remind one another of our stories, to be ready and willing to work on our fruit and have you work on our fruit with us so that we might be ready when you call us to greater things we give you the honor and the praise and the glory and the thanks for guaranteeing us victory that's in your name we pray amen